Thank you for being here this morning. Uh, we are in the middle of a series right now on the Lord's Prayer. That video that you just saw recited, that is the Lord's Prayer, the model prayer. And right now at Destiny, uh, we're going through a series of messages over the summer on worship and prayer. And if you're new here to Destiny, uh, maybe this is your first Sunday here. We're glad that you're here today. We want to tell you welcome. Thank you for being here. And right now we are in this middle of this series focusing in on what it means to worship God and what it means to pray. And the reason that we're doing this is because these worship and prayer, these are primarily two of the main ways that we connect with God, that we commune with God, that we have fellowship with God. It is through worship and prayer. And so our heart's desire as leaders here at Destiny Church is that you would grow in this area of worship, that you would grow in this area of prayer so that your walk with the Lord, your relationship with God would be growing. Amen? How many of you, that's your heart's desire, to, to move into a deeper, uh, more vibrant relationship with God? Yes. Amen. And so we want to see your faith growing. We want to see your faith flourishing. Um, we want to see you mature into the person that God created you to be. And how many of you know that that is a process, right? Well, let me tell you, that is a process. It, it, it doesn't happen overnight. We're not saved one day and the next day we're just like Jesus and it's amazing. No, it, it takes some time for some of the old stuff to make its way out, some of the good stuff to make its way in. And for some of us, it takes a little bit longer time. But that's okay, because God is patient, the Bible tells us. And so uh, we're in this series on worship and on prayer. And last week, I want to share with you a couple of the things that we looked at really quickly, and then we're going to jump into uh, where we're going to be at today. So last week in prayer, we saw that prayer is not for show, that we don't pray so that other people can see and hear us and be impressed with our mad prayer skills, but we do pray so that God would hear us. So it's not about being seen by others and impressing others, it's about being heard by God. Uh, in Matthew chapter 6, if you want to open in your Bibles there, this is where we find this, the Lord's Prayer or the model prayer. And this is where we also find these teachings from Jesus on prayer. And Jesus said, when you pray, don't put on a show for everybody else. When you pray, meet with God. That prayer is not about us and others. Prayer is about us and God. That's the first thing that Jesus taught on prayer from Matthew 6. The second thing was that when you pray, it doesn't have to be wordy. It doesn't have to be full of all of this complex theological dissertation and verbiage. That when you pray, it can be a simple petition brought before God. He says, don't be like people who, who offer up in vain a bunch of empty words, but when you pray, let it be sincere and from the heart. And so we saw that prayer is not about the words we say. 
Prayer is about the condition of our heart before God. You see, you can say the right things, but be feeling something totally different in your heart. Have you ever experienced that, right? Do these genes make my something look big? We say, no, of course not, even though in our heart we are saying, yes, of course they do. So our words, right, our words can communicate something different than what's in our heart. And so prayer is about being genuine before God with what's going on in our heart. You see, God can see your heart. Did you know that? God sees your heart. He knows what's in there. So whatever words are coming out, God can, he immediately checks and says, well, that's really not what you're feeling. That's really not what you're thinking. That's really not what you're believing. So prayer is not about the words we say. Prayer is about the condition of our heart before God. And the psalmist David wrote, he said, God loves a, a broken heart, a, a contrite heart, a humble heart that comes before the Lord, that that's what gets God's attention. When we come into his presence, we come in with thanksgiving, we come in in humility, and that that gets God's attention. So those are a couple of things that we looked at uh, last week uh, from Matthew chapter 6. And with this model prayer, Jesus taught us to pray this way. His disciples, his followers, Jesus said, when you pray, pray like this. Pray this way. And then he gave this prayer, this model prayer. And so last Sunday, I asked you, I, I issued actually a little bit of a challenge. I said, I, I want you, I want to challenge you to pray the Lord's Prayer every day this week. Do you remember that? Oh, okay. Maybe you had fallen asleep by that point in the sermon. Um, uh, okay, well, I did say that. Um, you can go check the video. I, I did say that. I, I issued a little bit of a challenge. I said, pray the Lord's Prayer every day this week. And if, if you have a family, pray it with your family. Don't do it in isolation, but do it together. I was going to ask you how it went, but I don't really see the point in doing that because nobody even remembered that I told you to do it. So... I'll tell you how it went in my family, um, since I remembered. <laughs> but you know what they say, that you're preaching to yourself more than anybody else, so <laughs> at least one of us was listening last week. So if it didn't go well for you, let me encourage you by telling you our experience as a family. We've had six days together as a family since last Sunday. Monday through Saturday, of those six days, we prayed the Lord's Prayer together three days. We made it three days. Um, the last two days, Friday and Saturday, we were so focused on getting our kids up and ready for VBS, and we figured, you know what, they'll get plenty of the Lord anyway here. Let's just get out the door. Um, why I didn't think that we couldn't do it when we got home later in the day, I don't know, but so we did it three days. I think two of those three days, there was a spanking involved in the, the process of, of 
we're going to pray as a family um, right in the morning. So like we're going to start the day off right. And um, there needed to be some discipline to make it through this short six-sentence prayer uh, as a family. So this is something that's new for us as a family. Um, every, every morning and every night, I pray for our children individually. I meet with them. I pray with them before I leave the house. I pray with them before they go to sleep at night. But as a family, this is something new where we're getting together in the morning to pray. And it's not going well. Um, I've got a six-year-old, a five-year-old, a three-year-old, and an almost one-year-old. And um, getting them to stand in a circle before breakfast um, is, or at any time of the day or night, and to pray, it is a challenge. And, uh, but we're working through it. And so I want to give you our report card. If it didn't go well for you, you're in, I'll say you're in company. I don't know if you're in good company or bad company, but you're in company. And, uh, but we're going to keep working through this. This is a goal that we have as a family that we would pray together. Uh, we usually would do it once a week on Saturday morning, but now we're trying to do it every day. And so it's taking a little bit of an adjustment and we're working through it. So that's, that's our report on trying to pray the Lord's Prayer together. But hopefully, now that I've um, shared that with you, you'll be able to remember tomorrow morning, say tomorrow morning, to pray this prayer, this prayer the Lord gave us and, to, and said, pray this prayer, that you will pray it together as a family. And maybe you'll have to spank your kids halfway through it. Maybe there'll be timeouts. But the Bible says, train up a child in the way they should go. And when they are old, they won't depart from it. And so we're training up our children, and I pray that you will be as well. So, um, I was going somewhere with that. Yeah. Mm. And it's not just saying the words. It's not just getting together and repeating the words. It's, it's really aligning, put, allowing those words to permeate our heart. To, to really, to, to, to not just re recite words, but, but to really make that our cry and our declaration from our heart every day. It's really easy to just get together and say, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done, blah, 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 blah. That's not hard. Getting together and, and doing the hard work of, Lord, make your name holy in my life, your kingdom come, and, and working through that, that is a little bit of a challenge. And so that is what I am asking you to do. So that's the encouragement, that's the challenge uh, to do it every day as a family this week and as we go through this prayer together. And uh, I believe that, um, I believe it will be a blessing to you and to your family's life, amen? Okay, so today we are at your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And before, uh, th this morning, somebody told me something that I've never heard before. Uh, Jim Warner, who leads our children's ministry, right now we're, we're doing VBS up the hill uh, for our kids. They're having this incredible children's program. 
he pulled me aside this morning and he told me words I've never heard before. He said, listen, we've got a really long program today. We're trying to squeeze three hours of VBS into two hours. So if you go a little long today, that would be a good thing. I've never heard those words in my life. I, I said, what? What? Um, so anyway, uh, after, after the service today, we're going to have a, a, a fun fellowship with the kids, a little kids program. It's just going to be a great day after service. Um, and I'm not going to go long. Don't worry. We're, we're going we're gonna to finish on time. We're going to have hot dogs. It's going to be a great time together. So your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. These are two petitions. These are two requests. These are asking the Lord for two things. They are related, but they are, they are separate and they are two different things. The first, your kingdom come. The second is that God's will would be done on earth, here where we are, the same way that God's will is done in heaven. So we're going to start with this first phrase, your kingdom come. Now to understand this prayer and how to pray it, we, we have to understand what Jesus is talking about with this concept of a kingdom. And so I'm going to take some time, I'm going to talk about kingdom today and then I'm going to circle back around to prayer and how we pray that and the practical implications that that has for us in our lives. But, but I want to talk conceptually a little bit about this idea of kingdom. And for us, this will be the hardest thing to understand about this prayer. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Not hard to understand. Give us today our daily bread. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, for bread. That's not hard to understand kingdom, your kingdom come. It's a little bit different for us and hard for us to understand, but we have to understand it the way that Jesus' audience in the first century, the way they saw it and the way they understood it. And they did understand this idea of kingdom. We have a little bit harder time with this idea because as a citizen of the United States of America, the greatest country on the earth, I've never lived as a part of a kingdom. I've never lived under the rule of a king. And so I, it, it's a little bit different for us to, to understand this idea of kingdom. It's a foreign idea to us. Now, I can define it and simply define a kingdom is the domain of the king. The kingdom is where the king rules and reigns. Now, that's not hard to, to process that, that concept, but the implications of what that means and how that would play out in our lives, we have a hard time putting ourselves there because we've never experienced anything like it. But in a true kingdom, the king is sovereign. The king has all the power, has all the authority, all of it for the entire nation resides in one man. The man who sits on the throne has the power. All the power all the authority. 
Now, certainly other people within the nation could have power and authority, but do you know where they get it from? The king. The king will give power over the army to these generals, power over the uh, economy to these people, power over this and that. But the moment he wants to take that power back, it's his again. The moment he wants to take that power back by taking their head off, not a problem. The king rules and reigns, and his decrees, his words are law, period. He is sovereign. There's no debate. There's no, um, you know, passing votes and how is this going to play. What the king says, that's it. We have a hard time understanding this. As, he, as citizens in our nation, who has the power? Well, let me tell you. Let me give you a little lesson on our country you have the power. The people have the power. In, the, in our system of government, it's self-rule. The citizens, the power resides in the citizens. Now, we then elect people, officials, who go and you know, occupy branches of government. And even with the officials that we elect, the power is spread across. There's separation of power into how many branches? Three, right? The president, uh, executive, judicial, and legislative. So even the all of the power that resides in the people is delegated to not one branch of government, but three branches of government. And it's not occupied by one person, by, by many different individuals that we, the people, elect to go and to execute what we want as a country, as a nation. It's totally different than a kingdom. With the kingdom, the king sits on the throne. One man has all the power, not a group of people, not, a, not um, branches of government. One man who has the throne, who has the crown. There are no checks and balances on his authority in a true kingdom. Now, the, the, the Bible for us, which is God revealing himself to us, the Bible paints this picture of a war that is raging between two kingdoms. In fact, everything in existence can be fit into this narrative of these two kingdoms that are at war. Now, these aren't physical kingdoms, but this is the kingdom of the spiritual realm, this war that's going on in the spiritual realm. I want you to know, ladies and gentlemen, that there is something more than simply the material realm. There is a spirit realm. There are spiritual forces at work in our world today. And the, the picture the Bible paints for us is this war that is raging between two kingdoms. Not three kingdoms, not four kingdoms, not five, two. And it's the kingdom of light versus the kingdom of darkness. It's the kingdom of heaven versus the kingdom of the world. It's the kingdom of God 
against the kingdom of Satan. And the, the picture the Bible paints for us is that all of humanity, we belong to one of these two kingdoms. We're in one or the other. We're not in the middle between two, or there's not a third option that we're a part of. The picture the Bible paints for us is that we're part of one of these two kingdoms. And this is how God sees the world. And if we want to live our lives as God designed us to live for his glory, we need to see the world the way that God sees the world. This is how God sees the world. This is how Jesus sees your life. What kingdom are you a part of? Jesus said, unless a man be born again, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. You know, we think of ourselves as, as individuals, but the truth is we're a part of one of these two kingdoms. And so into this spiritual battle that is, is raging and, and that it, it spills over into the physical world and the physical realm, into this, Jesus Christ comes. The Son of God comes from heaven to earth. And when Jesus comes, he comes and he reveals to us the truth. He brings the light. John says that Jesus is the light and that his light gives life to humanity. Jesus comes into this battle that's raging and he comes and he reveals to us, he declares to us the kingdom of God. He begins to teach on God's kingdom and he contrasts it with the world's kingdom. This illumination, this revelation of the kingdom of God, Jesus comes and he brings it. And so in, if you have your Bibles, flip over to Mark chapter 1. I'm going to circle around a prayer in a second. Don't worry, we're going to get there. I, I just want to lay this foundation of kingdom for you. The kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light. So that you can actually understand what you're praying when you say your kingdom come. Mark chapter 1. This is Jesus' first sermon. Mark chapter 1, verse 14. It says, after John was arrested, that's John the Baptist, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming. Some of you think I'm too loud. Well, you know what? The Bible says that we should preach and proclaim, so I'm just following Jesus, all right? Proclaiming, making a de declaration. That's what Jesus did, preaching. What did he preach? Proclaiming the gospel of God, the good news of God, and saying the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand, repent and believe in the gospel. Jesus comes and what he begins to teach and preach is this idea and this concept of the kingdom of God. That God is now bringing his rule and his reign to the earth. And what does Jesus say we should do in light of this? In light of God's kingdom being established on the earth, Jesus says that we must repent. We must turn. 
We must look at things a different way. That, that we, humanity, all of humanity has been going this way, living under the kingdom of darkness, the kingdom of the world, the kingdom of Satan. And Jesus says, the kingdom of God is now here. I've come from heaven. I've brought it to earth. It's time for you to turn from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. We do that through believing the gospel. We do that through believing in faith. And so Jesus will constantly, everything that he's teaching, he's teaching on this concept of, of the kingdom of God and how it's so different than the kingdoms of this world. It's so different. Jesus will say over and over, when you read the gospels, Jesus will say, you've heard it said this, but I say this. You've heard this said, but the truth is actually this. So he'll say, you've heard it said, hate your enemies. Jesus says, but I say, love your enemies. Jesus said, you've heard it said, don't commit adultery. He says, but I say, if you've looked at a woman lustfully in your heart, you've already committed adultery with her. Jesus says, you've heard it said this way, but I say this way. Jesus says, you've heard an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say, bless those who curse you. Pray for those who persecute you. Jesus comes and, and he begins to show that the kingdom of God is totally, completely different than the way our natural mind works and has been trained. You see, you are an expert in the kingdom of the world. You're an expert. It's all you've ever known. We, we're we're brought up in, we're trained in the culture of the kingdom of this world. Jesus says, it's time if you're going to enter in the kingdom of God, you've got to repent. You have to turn. You have to change the way you're thinking. You have to change the way you see things. And it's upside down. It's upside down. Well, actually, it's right side up. Let me put it that way. The kingdom of God is right side up. But it seems upside down to us because we've been living in an upside down world, an upside down kingdom. So Jesus says, who's the greatest in the kingdom of God? Those that have a lot of power, those that are, are really good at, at, at showing you how great they are? No, absolutely not. Who's the greatest in the kingdom of God? You have to come as a little child. You have to humble yourself. Uh, to, to, to accelerate, to um, elevate, to, to um, advance in the kingdom of God. To be the greatest in the kingdom, you have to be like a servant. Doesn't he say that? That it's not about getting people to serve you, it's about serving others. It, it, it's, it goes against everything that we think is, is right. Because God's, God's way is not like the world's way. And so Jesus will say a lot of times, he'll talk in parables, he'll, he'll, he'll try and talk in language that we can understand where he can explain the kingdom of God. And so he'll say things like in Luke chapter 13, Jesus said, what is the kingdom of God like and what shall I compare it to? He said, it's like a grain of a mustard seed, really tiny seed. The kingdom of God is like this tiny little seed, Jesus says. 
that a man takes and sows in his garden one seed, but it grows and becomes a tree, and the birds of the air come and make their nest in its branches. Again, Jesus says, to what shall I compare the kingdom of God? It is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour until it was all leavened. Uh, I've made like two loaves of bread in my lifetime. Um, it was good, homemade bread. How many of you love homemade bread? Mmm, amazing, right? Now, have you ever had homemade bread where you forgot to put in the leaven? <laughs> yeah, sick, right? How much leaven do you need when you make bread? Right, a lot, right? Dump it in. No, you need what? The tiniest little bit. The time, in, in this huge loaf, this huge thing of dough, you come in and you drop in this little piece of leaven and it works its way through until it permeates the whole loaf. Jesus says the kingdom of God is like that. He says the kingdom of God is like a seed, a tiny little seed that's planted deep in the ground. You can't even see anything happening, but it begins to sprout and to give life, and it grows, and it grows, and it grows into this beautiful tree that now provides shade, that now provides uh, fruit and, and life, and that birds come, and they can make their home in it. Jesus says the kingdom of God is something that starts small. Its, its beginning is so small, almost unnoticeable, almost imperceivable, but that it eventually will grow and mature and actually dominate the thing that it was planted in. And so this is, this is the way the kingdom of God was unleashed on the earth, right? Jesus Christ, the Son of God, was he born with much fanfare? Was he, was it, were, were king, right? Did it go out, did the news spread to the whole world that, that Jesus was born? No. Jesus wasn't born in a palace. He was born in a stable. He wasn't born to the rich and the wealthy, to the educated, to the powerful. He was born to the opposite of all of those things. Who was there to witness his birth? Barn animals. Who, who came and, and paid homage to him? The shepherds, the, the lowly, the poor. Jesus was like this seed that was planted quietly, but it's begun to spread. The kingdom of God has continued to advance and continue to spread till today it covers almost the whole earth today, the kingdom of God, the church of Jesus Christ. You're a part of that now, today, that little seed that was planted. But this is also the same way that it works in our lives, in our lives. When we are born again, when we do put our faith in Jesus Christ, it's like that seed or that leaven that is planted. And it's almost imperceivable. Did, did it really happen? Did it really work? I, I, the Bible says I'm a new man, but I kind of feel like an old man. I, I, it says my sins are washed away, but I'm still feeling drawn to them. Is it real? It's the kingdom of God. It starts 
small, but then it begins to grow and to permeate, hopefully, every area of your life. And this is where we now come back to the prayer. This is where we come to this prayer. Because when I pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, I'm asking that God's rule and God's reign would be manifest firstly in my life. Firstly in my life. It has to start with me. It has to start with you. Say that. It starts with me. Don't pray, your kingdom come, your will be done in my neighbor, in my wife, in my children, unless I'm going to pray that it starts with me. God's kingdom work, it needs to start with you. It needs to start with me. Yes, pray that it would be in your wife. Yes, pray your children and on and on and on. But let it start with me. Let your kingdom come first in my life. And so I'm asking that God's rule, that God's reign, that God would sovereignly work in every area and aspect of my life. And this is a humbling aspect. This is us coming in before the king and bowing down. Not coming in before the king and saying, you know what I think would be... Maybe we could start, King, by doing a, a makeover here on the throne room. Not really digging the curtains. Is that really your crown? And now let's talk about your economic policy. I, you know, I could really use a lot more of your blessings in my life, King. And also, King, that, right, no, when you come in before the presence of the King, what do you do? You bow down. You say, you are in control. You are the boss, I am not. You are king of my life, I am not. And so would your rule, would your reign be exercised in my life? And would it permeate every aspect of my life? Would you, this kingdom way of thinking, this kingdom way of, of, of this right side up that, that's so different from the way I think, Lord, would, 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 would that become my thoughts would that become my desires? We ask that God would reign in every context of our lives. We, men, typically men, are compartmentalized thinkers. Women are more holistic thinkers, and so that's why they're good multitaskers. And men are horrible multitaskers. We're, we're single, and men, if you think you're a good multitasker, you're not, all right? We are one-track mind individuals. It's the way God made us. But because of that, we're compartmentalized. We have our work life. We have our home life. We have our entertainment life. We have our, our you know, hobby life with our buddies. And, and we have our, maybe our church life. And we, it's easy for men to, to be one thing in those different contexts. It, it's not hard to do that. Um, but we have to let God's kingdom, it's not just in the church life. It's not just when we're here on Sundays. 
It's every aspect, every context, every relationship, every interaction that we have. That God's kingdom would manifest itself in every conversation, in every exchange. How different would your life be if God's kingdom, his rule and his reign was over every word you ever said, every thought you ever thunk, every desire you ever had. That's what this means when we pray your kingdom come in my life. That it would come in my life personally and then we begin to pray Lord, that your kingdom would come in my home life. Lord, that the the relationships in my family would begin to reflect your kingdom, that we would submit to you as king in our family. Lord, in my neighborhood, let your kingdom come. In my community, let your kingdom come. In my city, let your kingdom come. In my workplace, let your kingdom come. In our state, in our nation, in our world, let your kingdom come. But let it start with me. Let it start with me. Your will be done is the second part. Now, this is, this is related, but it's not the same thing. It's yes that God's kingdom would come, but also that we would submit to his rule and to his reign. So that, yes, God's kingdom, God rules and God reigns, but that his will would be done is that we would submit to his rule and to his reign and that his will would be accomplished on earth as it is in heaven. That God would not only rule in heaven, but that he would also rule in my heart. That God's will would not only be accomplished in heaven, but that it would be accomplished here on earth. And so how is God's will done? How is God's will accomplished? It's through you. It's through his people. God accomplishes his will through his people. It starts with you. It starts with me. I don't know if you're like me, but I often find that my will and God's will, two different things. God's thoughts, my thoughts. God's ideas, my ideas. And so when I pray, God, I want your kingdom to come. I want your, your rule, your reign to be established in my life, in my family, in my home, in my community, in my city, in our state, nation, and world. But Lord, that your will would be done. And you know what begins to happen when you pray that God's will would be, God, be done? your will begins to be transformed. Lord, that your will would be accomplished in my life. Lord, I know I have my own thoughts, my own ideas, my own plans, my own agenda, but God, I know that for that to happen, I've got to lay it all aside. For your will to be accomplished in my life, I have to lay my will down. You see, you can't have it your way, as Burger King would tell you, and also have it God's way. Because God's way is different than our way. And so we align our will with God's will. That you, that, that, that God, the things that you want, I want. The things that you desire, I desire. I'm submitting to you as king and Lord today. And if you're going to accomplish God's will, you've got to know his will. Amen? Amen? And where do we find God's will? 
in his word. The word of God reveals the will of God. Paul says, Ephesians chapter 5, he says, try to discern what the will of God is. That, that to, to understand God's will, it takes some effort. It takes some, some searching out. It, it takes some time and investment and some, some, some searching after God and searching after his will. God uses the, the events of our lives that we would search these things out and that he would draw us into relationship with himself. So this prayer, the model prayer, it's an invitation. This prayer is an invitation. It's an invitation that you give to God. God, I am inviting you into my life. I'm inviting you to move in my life. It's not only asking God to move out there, but God, that you would move me, that you would move my heart, that you would move us as your church. This prayer, your kingdom come, your will would be done. It's an invitation to God to come into your life. And we need to do that. You say, well, why does God need permission in my life? Isn't he God? Isn't he sovereign? Yeah, he is. But he's also given you a free will. He's given you free agency. You're a free moral agent. Um, Several years ago, my wife and I, we owned a, a condominium, and uh, we moved out of that condominium, but we didn't sell it. We retained ownership of it, and we rented it out. Now, I rented it out to one of my brothers, and he was a great tenant, praise God, um, didn't tear everything up, wonderful. But when I would go and visit him, do you know what I would do? I'd not. Why would I do that? It's my house. I have the key. I have every legal right to walk into that house. It's mine. I own it. But I've given it to him. I've entrusted it to him. I've, I've, I've said this, this is now your space. And so I recognize that and I honor that. And it's the same with God. He's not going to come and kick down the door of your heart, kick down the door of your life. He has given to you free will. He's given to you this free agency, if you will. But his desire is to not just stand outside and knock. Hey, could I come in? I'd love to visit. I've got some really great stuff to share with you. I want to bring the kingdom of God into your house. And we're like, no, no, God, you, you stay out there behind the screen door. I'll, I'll, we'll talk. Maybe you've got some good ideas to share, but I'm not going to invite you in. It's a mess in here. And well, let me clean up my mess, and then I'll let you in. And God's like, you can't clean it up on your own. You've got to let me in. You've got to let my kingdom in. And so that's what this, this part of this prayer is. It's an invitation to God. God, would you come into my heart? Would you come into my life? your rule, your reign. I'm surrendering control. I'm surrendering my will, my thoughts, my ideas, my agendas. I'm asking that your kingdom would be established in my heart and in my life. So in conclusion today, I want to issue to you the same challenge that I did last week. Do you remember what that was? 
It's that we would pray the Lord's Prayer as a family every day. But not that we would just say the words, but that we would move from this, this simply saying words to praying from our heart. And that we would do that as a people. And let me tell you, if, if you start to pray this, not say this, but if you start to pray this, your life will change. Your life will change if you begin to pray this from your heart. So, um, let's pray together, shall we? Father in heaven, we thank you that you are our Father, or that we can come into your presence, that you welcome us in. Lord, even though we've fallen short in so many different ways, your love for us has never changed. Your love for us is not based on our performance. Your love for us is based on who you are as our Father. So Lord, we come into your presence full of thankfulness, full of gratitude. We ask that your holiness, that your name, that you would be the, the, the number one place, the number one person in our life, that your name would be hallowed in our hearts and in our lives. And Lord, we do ask for your kingdom, your rule, your reign to be established in our hearts and in our lives, that your kingdom would come. Lord, that your kingdom would, would start with us, but Lord, we don't want it to stop with us. Lord, that your kingdom would, would, would be planted in our hearts and lives, but Lord, that it would grow, Lord, to include our families. Lord, those who don't know you that are a part of our family, Lord, that it, your kingdom would be established in their life. Lord, that you would reveal yourself to them as their king, as their creator, as their savior, as their God. Lord, that it would go from our, our families to our, our neighborhoods, to our communities, God. Lord, that our communities would be transformed. Lord, that your kingdom would permeate the communities that we are a part of. Lord, in our city, San Antonio. Lord, the city that was started by missionaries who came here to bring the gospel. The mission city, God. Lord, these missions that are scattered all around the city. God, that that wouldn't just be our past. Lord, but that we would be a mission city that we would be a city where people come to know the true and the living God, Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. Lord, that your work would be established, that your kingdom would be established in our city, Lord, our state, our nation, our world, God. Lord, our world is so broken without you, from, from, from living without, outside of your rule, outside of your reign. Lord, a part of the kingdom of darkness God, that your kingdom, that you would use your church, that you would build your church, and that you would expand your kingdom so that blessing and life can flow to creation, to, to, to humanity, God. And Lord, that your will would be done, not only in heaven, but also here on earth. And let it start with me. Let it start with me. Help me to understand your will. Help me to understand what it is you want me to do. Lord, of course, the big picture, but also, Lord, even in the smallest details. Lord, forgive me when I exercise my own will. Forgive me for when I exercise my way. 
Lord, put your will in my heart. Help me to align my will with yours. Help me to, to live out my desires. Let them be transformed into what you desire. Lord, I thank you for this church, Destiny Church. Thank you for what you're doing in our lives together. We ask that your kingdom would come, your will would be done in our church as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said, amen. Amen. amen.